Give us any chance, we'll take it. Read us any rule, we'll break it. We're gonna make our dreams come true. Welcome to Night After Night, a podcast about eight seasons in a row. I'm Mr. Fernandes and... And I am Christopher Jai Wardner. Hello. And we're about to review the notes. Uh, written by Judy Pioli, directed by Gabrielle Alice James. I'm sure Chris has got some sort of facts about them coming up. Yep, there's a little bit. Uh, only one of the six directors who filled in for Tom Turbovic on uh, the season eight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He directed a lot of episodes, a lot of episodes of the season. Apparently, he learned on the job. Gary hired him and had him learn on the job to uh, Penny's apparent frustration at one mm. point. So, per her autobiography. Uh, and this is what this episode's about. While Laverne and the rest of the gang are at Frank's Burbank Businessmen's Association dinner, Shirley is suddenly informed that Walter is shipping out that very night. She goes overseas with him, gutting the apartment of her presence with only a brief note left behind. Laverne is devastated by her best friend's sudden exit, and the rest of the gang goes into mourning too, riding out a roller coaster of anger and sadness alongside Laverne. They do everything they can to help her land a new roommate and feel less alone. After a few failed roommate interviews, Laverne is still adrift. Will Laverne be able to steal herself against the heartbreak of Shirley's big move? What do you think of this one? It's a very strange episode that feels yeah. very wrong. Does its best to land correctly and, and does actually some very good gestures to deal with this change relatively well. And I wonder to what extent things had to shift where this was initially an episode they had been planning for, as you had mentioned before, that Cindy was going to take some maternity leave and be gone for a bit. And they could have done this as an episode in the middle of that with a different reason for her having, you know, disappeared, basically. And then uh, coming back an episode, you know, a few episodes later, it was great to see the Queen return. You know, Judy Pioli, Ni Askins. Um, but it's, um, yeah, this is, we'll go through the episode bit by bit, but it's it's like there are some wonderful high points. And kind of like the last episode, I think it's 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 cromulent at times. It's it's quite good. Actually, and I will say, I felt I enjoyed the high points of this episode more than I enjoyed oh. the high points of the last episode because they're more yeah. they're more character driven. But this could be this, there's a lot to unpack about this one. So let's get started. I think I like this one more than you. I really, really like how they kind of handled everything that happened and the way they handled it in light of how uh, awkward and sudden Cindy's removal from the show was. Uh, they managed to pay tribute to her um, character as best they can without not spiting her. And without uh, making it a huge issue that uh, she is gone and that uh, we hate her now, yeah. So yeah, yeah. They did. They in other words, they weren't about to risk uh, further heat from the lawsuit. Yeah, certainly. So they handle this sensitivity towards Laverne's actual feelings and Patty's actual feelings and everybody's emotions regarding uh, Cindy just leaving. I think it's really beautiful. It's a really beautiful episode. It acknowledges how much Shirley and Cindy meant to everybody and how sad it is that the, the character is going to be gone now, but uh, how she's going to be a part of the lives, even if it's as an off-screen spirit, so to speak. Right. Certainly. So I liked it. 
like it. Yeah, it's so. I mean, you know, we'll go we'll go through the the, the bits and bobs, and you know, kind of discuss our thoughts and all that. I think out the gate, the new intro, yeah, turned me off pretty fast. Let's talk about this. Let's talk yeah. about this. Yeah. So the problem with the new intro is that it's uh, you know pretty much has to bleach uh, uh, Cindy and Shirley's existence completely out of the opening credits. So. We get the kids randomly doing the Shamil Shamaza walk as Laverne stands there with her grocery sack. <laughs> and a series of pictures of everybody looking like they want to die. Mm-hmm. Specifically, Penny looks like she wants to die in her uh, credit picture. We haven't gotten to the episodes where there's no Lenny and it's just Squeaky standing there in front of a jukebox. That's oh, extra no. sad. Oh no, oh, that's, that's actually going to happen? Oh yeah. Oh. That's extra sad in this coming. And the fact that it ends on Laverne, quote unquote, drowning in the booze from uh, There's a Spy in My Beer is really telling. Yeah, yeah. And it's like the worst possible scene you can end it on, too. It's like, there, here's our star soaked and she's getting dragged underneath. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The way it uses a lot of like California clips, I thought was really interesting. Or if it's yeah. Laverne elsewhere, like Laverne yeah. in other locations. Uh, yeah. was a fascinating detail to make it look like, oh, we don't just stay in an apartment all the time. There's always something new, da-da-da. But yeah, yeah. The, the Laverne, 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 my, my note in all caps is, oh, God, this does not bode well. <laughs> oh, and so it does not. A lot of people have, I actually like the discoification of the theme song a bit, or at least I find it tolerable. It's, so. it's a better mix, but the disco yeah. era since Kill Me, Tron was just coming out that year. I think it had come out by this point, because I think that was yeah. uh, J- July of uh, 82. Tangerine Dream had already done Thief and Sorcerer. Step up your game <laughs> show. It's time to make our dreams come true, even if for small children or people who are handing out in the middle of the street. <sighs> anyway, then we get to an exterior of a building. Yep, 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 yep. And we are suddenly out of the blue at... Uh, Frank's uh, businessman's uh, function. Uh, apparently, Vern has to see these people in church. This is going to cause a huge discrepancy in an episode that happens later in the season. Keep this in mind. Mm. Keep this in your noodle because uh, when this comes up again, you're going to go, what? And excuse me. Because, <laughs> yeah. But come on, help your father, Laverne. You got you have this awkward, but yeah, it's awkward cuts. It's a new location, a uh, new set. Again, another yeah. location, new place. Like it really seems like they were just trying to make sure that every promo had some new thing that they could show every episode yeah. so that they didn't get stuck with bubble episodes, which prior seasons had uh, sometimes hit. It's wacky. Um, I love the fact that they're at least, they're at least trying to break out of the uh, box. I guess with Cindy's salary gone, so to speak, they decided to just go wild and spend the money on sets. We get a lot more sets than we uh, have in recent California episodes. True. The because- The main thing, though, is with this episode, um, we have – it's basically just the same linole- you know, linoleum floor from yeah. the uh, – um, Cowboy Bills. Right, uh, the talent Cowboy shows. Bills. Yep, the uh, Cowboy Bills, maybe talent show, but then it's got the uh, – even the curtains, which I yes. want to say was used in one of the talent show episodes, or at least maybe from That's oh, Entertainment. I think it might be. I think it might have been uh, recycled off of, uh, yeah. out of Paramount Props. Quite possibly. Very possibly. But, um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, speaking of linoleum, trip the light linoleum. Yeah. Poor Rhonda dealing line. with Squig. The line's great. I just don't like that they you know got back to Squig uh, assaulting women. Uh, I don't like that, and I don't 
why is Rhonda all of a sudden not into him? She was into him before. Yeah, not to uh, mention, she, she, yeah. she's so tall, she could dropkick this guy across the room. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And she's tougher than him. We've established this via um, multiple episodes. So it's like, it's a weird little moment, uh, I guess, that just blatantly shovels uh, uh, a joke that nobody wants to bite into. But the, he, he chases her around. Lenny tries to dance with Laverne. And she says, no, Carmine over him to get to, to win something. Carmine's really excited to get a chainsaw. I guess the serial killer Carmine arc is finally happening. Yeah, it's about it's about goddamn time. I figure, you know, 1972, he's going to be the one asking who will survive and what would be left of them. Okay, sorry. Uh, 73. 73 was when Texas Chance that came out. Close. Sorry. Close. So close. So close. So close. Uh, this isn't completely the last hint of uh, Laverne Lenny stuff in the show. I'll point it out when it happens later. Oh, as in Lenny, uh, Lenny, Lenny getting the, giving Laverne the look. He's she saw nope. that look in his eyes. The, oh, that, that looks great. The way he looks at her. Come on. That's hilarious. He, he just wants to dance with her. Just dance with her. Let be a sport. Guess with yourself. Could I? <laughs> yeah, come on. And he falls into the chairs. Great, great little yeah. bit there. Yep, yep. And then he eats the chicken. <laughs> yeah. He's sitting there in the background eating a bucket of chicken while everybody's dancing. Yeah, it's uh, sadly, I wish the dance was better, but man, it's really not well staged or shot. It's very... Yeah. Um, Crap. You can't see the choreography, and the choreography is good. Like it, it, I, it wasn't until the second time I watched it. There's this really great touch that they put into where, when Carmine is spinning around with Laverne holding up his hand above her, that or above them, his elbow keeps nearly hitting her in the face, and so she keeps like recoiling cautiously. Oh, oh dear, oh man, yeah, it's the way they stage it. By the way, it's so compact because the set's so small. Yeah. And you have all these tables in the way. Yeah, which I they didn't need to do that. That's that no. I understand they're trying to do foreground, background, midground elements, but mm -hmm. like okay. Not to be too much of a movie nerd or anything, but when you look at some films where you have foreground, background, midground, you have to be careful with how much foreground is present because you either get a like um with like martial arts movies know this incredibly well. Like you and I have watched a ton of Kung Fu movies. We watch a bunch uh -huh. of samurai movies. Uh -huh. Samurai movies know how to do that. But then you get a movie like say Azumi where there's too many foreground elements and there's, you know, there's choreography going on. You can kind of see it through the slits and understandably it's, it's trying to be as a, an actual like stylistic choice, but it's like, eh, it's a little too much in the foreground there guys. And that's the thing is you make the imagery too uh, busy and so your brain kind of glazes over. That's the main reason why you don't yeah, want to yeah. do that. And and this is so when we get to talking about the director, yeah. unfortunately, that won't be understandable why that happened. Yeah. I wonder if it was a matter of time. I wonder if it was just, you know, they were told, well, this needs to look like it's a dinner. So we need uh, tables in here. But it's bad. It's just badly arranged. But the rest of the whole, the content of the scene is fun. Yeah, it's it's relatively fine. Fun. The the punchline yeah. of the whole the crib, the chainsaw, the bucket yeah. of chicken. I mean, that's that's yeah. fun. That's very fun. That's uh, and uh, I do love. You can tell it's probably Michael and David doing ooze for the foley for the uh, the ADR looping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can hear them. You can hear them. That's great. And God, Eddie's line delivery is like, "Oh, Laverne, I never had a chainsaw before." I know he's so excited. Carmine wants to keep to chop some stuff up. That's his dream. Uh, of course, the obvious cowboy rules equals shitty food joke. Mm -hmm. <laughs> which is what has Cowboys Bulls franchise franchising has become. 
uh, over the past couple of seasons. When it started out, it wasn't that bad, but man, yeah, <laughs> season seven, season eight just kind of hammers it in that uh, crappy food is crappy. Uh, and, uh, it feels like the kind of joke that's again, it's an easy mark. It's an easy yeah. laugh. It's like it's yeah. like it's the how's the food terrible. To me, what I, you know, this is the thing I love about Bob's Burgers is that Bob's Burger of the day, they sound bizarre, but then you know yeah. people have tried some of them from the the cookbook that they released, yeah. and some of them are you know what I've heard is like most of them yeah. are incredible. Yeah, yeah, I've heard excellent things, and I have that cookbook, and actually I need to make stuff out of it eventually. But yeah, exactly, you have to marry your joke with a little bit of uh, backup, a little bit of backup, a little bit, a little bit of upkeep, so to speak. Yeah. You have to make it seem real to people. That's the point. Um, Chili's never had a baby before. That's not my fault. <laughs> yeah, zing. Ouch. Ugh. Show. Why? Why must you taunt us with the fact that Carmine and Shirley were finally becoming a good thing and you just married it off to some fucking rando? What is wrong with you, show? What is wrong with you? Walter Meany's not a real character. Anyway. That actual nastiness about Shirley being chubby because she's pregnant. I hated no that so yeah. I fucking hated that so much. I didn't like that line either. I didn't like that line either. But the cuteness of Boo-Boo Kitty going in the crib. Yes, and practicing putting so diapers sweet. on Boo-Boo Kitty. The bo yeah. That cat probably has Boo-Boo rash by now. Oh, the goat. Yeah, look around the apartment and see how quickly Shirley tore that place apart. It's like, how much time did she have? She took down all those albums. Yeah. Cleaned out absolutely everything. She took down all of her pictures. How much time did she have? She was in a rush. Yeah, that's not that's bad. that is not a rush. That is, I had you know some friends from down the street help or something. Like, that's nuts. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Walter helped with his mummy mind powers. I guess so. <laughs> uh, that would explain yeah. it. You know, that was that would explain also the intercourse and everything and how that works. Hey, yeah. He he knocked her up with his mind. <laughs> uh so uh speaking of also the uh, the records and the record player, the new Beatles album. So. So yeah. this is supposed to be around 67, 68, 67, yep. 67, right? Yep. Because there must, We're yeah, so that, seven. so that probably is going to be Sgt. Pepper's, I suspect. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. Yep, because we're starting to get into hippie stuff and trippy, trippy, trippy stuff, uh, which uh, becomes uh, more evident as the season passes along. So it would be Sgt. Pepper's, yeah. Yeah. The, this whole long to-do of... The, you know that even knowing it was it, you know i understand i knew I w it was coming i knew this was the episode she disappeared from the yeah. show it still takes so long for them to finally put two and two together that I that know. was so protracted that felt like padding i mean i like the whole like you've been yeah. robbed need a weapon need a weapon grab the fists and you know where should we take it the chainsaw um which has to be texas chainsaw our last house and left reference because uh, scarface was not out yet that would not come out for another year and a half. Wow. Well, since I didn't know. Yeah. Scarface was a December know. 1983, I think is what I saw when I looked it up. Huh. Interesting. Um, makes sense. Uh, Blowout yeah. was 82. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Palma. Palma! Yes. <laughs> I was just, I was just, I was just going to say, it's like this fact brought to you by the Brian De Palma Society. Brian De Palma. We believe in, in the aftershots. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, I love... Carmine's excitement over the chainsaw eventually evolving into no, I wish we'd taken the chainsaw. That that was cute. Carmine is Ash Williams, is my note. Yeah. God, Eddie and Bruce, I think would have yeah. been a kick. Yeah, that would have been a kick. That would have oh. been fun. Eddie would have made a good Pablo-esque character. 
Oh my goodness, yeah. Yeah, you would have. You would have done great. Oh, you would have done great. Okay, now, as we get to this part of the episode where uh, Laverne finds her note and is sad, she and Carmine start mourning with a happy face over the eye, which is really sweet. And uh, just like that, she's gone, which is really sad. It's really genuinely really good and sad. But as we covered in the previous episode, this makes no sense. Uh, Shirley knew that Walter was going to be shipping out and that he was going to be gone for a year mm-hmm. and that she was supposed to stay with Laverne. So her eventual excuse that she's, she'd been waiting so long for Walter and she had to go with him uh, makes no sense. <laughs> I, it makes zero sense. Personally, I know that Lily Barbara Feeney has not been referenced in forever. This would be the time to pull the trigger on a... She's get you know, mom's her mom's getting old enough that she gets cancer and she has to go take yeah. care of her. That would be or has some sort of illness. Um, it could even be her mom because this would be so Lily. She gets her daughter onto a cruise ship, and the cruise is gonna be like a four-month cruise. And she doesn't know that until she's on board and her mom has trapped her there. And so all that she's able to phone her on, and you know, we we don't even have to hear her say anything, she basically says. I can't get away from this. I'm going to try, but it's my, you know, but it's, it's surely with her mom. I mean, that's the kind of thing. Yeah. That's the, the only other alternative that I can see of getting, getting rid of her for a while because they, or as you're saying, exactly in episode one of the, of the, the season, they had already established that they were going to be working around this where he's going to be off for a year and she might join him for a time, you know, eventually, but that she wasn't joining him right away. And they've now completely contradicted it. But that's, you know, this, yeah. these are the breaks of a yeah. a show having to be done on the fly, having to make these decisions and changes. It's rough. Yeah, it's rough. They could have come up with something, like, simpler. Like, she, she had to go be with Barb. She could, she had to, maybe something happened to Jack. Yeah. Uh, Jack fell overboard and she has to go be with him. And, yeah. You know, Bobby needs her. Bobby needs her. Yeah. I mean, even could be that Bobby's, you know, all the other siblings are busy with something. And yeah, Jack fell overboard and, you know, he's got a bad injury and she has to be there to take care of him in Milwaukee for a while. Yep. Yeah, it's that easy. It's that easy, but they made it difficult for themselves. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, because they're they're also trying to create this closed loop of a of like an ecosystem of these characters. And the problem with closed loop ecosystems for these characters and the problem with episodic television, I find, is that Good shows like Laverne and Shirley have a vast array of characters that come in and out over time. And they, even though they have a series book with all these different characters available to them, they're worried about referencing something from five seasons ago because the chances of every person who watches the episode knowing who that is, that's going to create issues. That's going to be cases of people reviewing and saying, what the hell, you know, why would you want to watch this episode when some reason's been made? I mean, obviously, this is just as bad of a reason. I think it's as, as bad of a reason as as any other, basically, because my, my note even here is this feels so wrong. They're, they're trying, at least. It's Judy. Judy's yeah. trying, but, yeah. ooh, boy. To me, to me, that's like the only really, there's too much of discontinuity in this episode. Does that? And Laverne's saying that she and Shirley met in the fifth grade when they got kicked out of the brownies together. I hate that. That was established all the way back in uh, season one. Mm-hmm. So we know they've known each other since at least they were seven years old. Yeah, right around there. And so right around second grade. So that doesn't make that's another thing that doesn't exist. There's just, those are just like two little blemishes on an episode that I genuinely do enjoy. Mm-hmm. Lord, you now know this history. Y'all can. Do the research, darn it. Yep. And all of this is genuinely heartbreaking. All the actors 
performances seem to be genuinely milling their way uh, through the uh, anxiety that they felt in the losing uh, Cindy or the sadness they felt. Yeah, absolutely. Because, yeah, because, I mean, there there are moments, like, Eddie really has to, like, be, like, the stable straight man through so much of this episode, yeah. and he does a really good job, yes. him and Phil both. Yes, yes, they do. Yes, they do. And even Rhonda's more tender. Mm -hmm. You got to give lots of credit to Leslie for pulling that off, Rhonda. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Laverne's gentle monologue about laughing with someone and talking to someone and trusting someone to try to move her as quickly as possible into another roommate situation so she won't be depressed. Mm -hmm. uh, and then someone that you want to share your bedroom with. Yeah. I think you have a word for that one. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, gosh. That was a cute. Uh, it's, a, it's not a great hello gag, but it's a it's a cute one. I mean, you can, you can hear even in David's voice. He's like, oh, God, I got to do this fucking shit again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he gets more and more like that as the, as the season goes on. It's so this is about the time he drop kicked the script, isn't it? Uh, he dropped kicked the script earlier in the in the, early in the, sh the run. I'm pretty sure oh we never God. found out which season that was, but there was always mischief like that. Like yeah. him and Michael setting a script on fire. I still love that. That's so cathartic. <laughs> I don't. I still want to know which one they did that to. I just imagine imagine them doing it in um, swim trunks and sandals and an apron like uh, The Rock trying to cook the hand in uh, Painting Game. <laughs> See that? Oh, dear. Uh, and of course, there's a time that David just busted down the door to Eddie's dressing room and claimed it. Right. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh... But anyway, yeah, around this time is you know where it becomes really obvious he's just trying to entertain himself. Yeah, Pax pointed this out where it becomes really, really obvious uh, somewhere in the midstream here because you know he doesn't have a Lenny to play off of after a while. Exactly. Also, and hi Pax. Hello. Yes, hi Pax. Hi Pax. Um. Yeah. It's. Oh. Yeah, you really feel sorry for David already. You know, three episodes in because it just feels yeah. like he's not. You know, even Lenny, it feels like is getting more. Uh, little moments that he's yeah. able to claw through. Uh, I will say David gets some wonderful material towards the end, like the second half of this episode. Um, yes. But it's, uh, and some good continuity from Duke of Squigman, but yes, even still it's, uh, it's a little rough. Anyway, um, I did want to point out, by the way, before we get too far ahead about um, pop and in the scene with the, uh, you know, it's like, what do you think? I'm stupid. I know not to use the word. No. So I gave her the day off so she can relax. And as soon as she comes in, I love how he like, says you know it's like it's like muffin oh, what are you doing here i gave you the day off you know it's like there, there's a <laughs> you can see the growth of him as a dad through this yeah. as well like yeah. the fact that you know he slaps carmine he's <laughs> like it's like to calm her down i can't slap my daughter in the face and it's like wow that's gross yeah yeah that's an improvement after everything he's been through you gotta give it to frank he's trying to modernize yeah. uh, we'll see him continuing to modernize throughout this uh season Hmm. There'll be some further hints. So that, that's nice. Will it, will he be moder modernizing the way of the future and using the great wonders of Mylar? Welcome to the world of tomorrow. Oh no! God, oh, that Mylar short man. That Mylar short. <laughs> Chemical um, plus water equals Mylar. But yeah, this whole scene at Cowboy Bills is very like it's trying to be vaudeville. It's a bit sloppy, but it's it it reasonably does it because the performers have got their timing down. Yeah. But like, yeah, like the, the the warm milk and then Rhonda and then splashing in his face. Like, could you just slap me? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't know you were ill. <laughs> um, I wish not. No, I wish Laverne had moved in with boys. I was going to say that would be incense, sir. 
Oh yeah, God, my mom hated that joke so much. <laughs> I that I there are worse jokes in the season basically, so I'm giving them a pass on that one. He's kind of it's trying. It's funny. It's funnier. Yep. But yeah, tone shift uh, to to germination. There's a lot of great lines coming up in this scene. Julie Brown. And Julie then we get Brown, to Julie Brown. Back. We get to, exactly. We get to the uh, the series of roommates. Downtown Julie Brown. Yeah. Are you muffin? Did my father send you? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Ronnie Howen, who happens to be have been Penny's sister. Yep. Uh, half sister apparently. Sister. Yep. Yeah, sister. Yep. That, who uh, she worked, I think, as a talent coordinator. Uh, she was talent and casting coordinator for this show yes. for I think is all eight yes. seasons. Yes, that's what she did. Yay! Uh, did you recognize? Okay, question though. Um, as soon as the door opened and that you know, hey, it's me. You know, easy to chill out, babe. It's the you know, it's the sixties. You know, let loose. Hey, babe, you're in your forties. Get lost. Well, that, my note here is get out of here, Tom. This isn't your week because that's Tom Turbovic. <laughs> No way! The director makes a cameo <laughs> on an episode that's not even his. This is—it's like this is your week, Tom. Get the fuck out of here! What are you doing? Oh my god, that's great! That is great. I had no idea that's what he looked like. That's that's hilarious. Um, that is great. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, we did, and oh then we also god. get a uh, Catherine Fuller returning. Uh, she was in I Do I Do uh, in season yes. six. She uh, shows up as the bag lady. Yes. Before anyone asks, and before we get to get to that point, Mr. Handsome Guy is not credited. I have no idea who that is. Aww. Aww. I'm sorry. I love that. Too bad. Too bad. I love ranting homeless lady. She's great in that. <laughs> yeah, bag lady is amazing. Yeah. Tell yeah. tell you a story. I was living in this box. It's a great line. Oh, it's such a great line. Oh, it's so good. The whole rant is terrific, and eventually, you know. Oh yeah. Yep. And uh, then, of course, uh, they, they, the uh, Patty and uh, Maxine, Maxine, yeah, yeah, Patty, Maxine go off and Patty get their own Maxine. place. They go to get their own spinoff together. Yeah, they go get their own spinoff together. Where they Shlemiel and Shlemaz together, Shlemiz and Shlemoz. <laughs> then Laverne is so done with everybody, and then so that she uh, answers the door in a rage. Uh, declaring that she wants to live independently, and it turns out to be a handsome, tall dude sent to her by Lenny. Lenny didn't even know what she wants, huh? <laughs> exactly. He knew exactly what to get her for her birthday. Yeah. Which is why he's perfect. Which is which is why yeah. he's perfect for her. <clears throat> cough, cough. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. yeah, Carmine going to the computer roommate service to get Ronnie was pretty funny, and the, the, that whole back and forth. I, I'm glad that, despite the fact that you know Ronnie had never really done much, she had done a little bit. Of stuff we'll we'll get to that, but um, her and Penny have a wonderful banter with each other. Oh yeah, they do. They definitely do. Um, they definitely do. Patty though, Julie Brown, the first one that comes in, the one sent by Pop. Are we gonna talk about the filthy euphemism? Yes, yes, yes. Talk about lay out that filthy euphemism. Do it, do it. Okay. Oh, I'm usually really quiet, except when my boyfriend brings his teammates over. Teammates? Yeah, he's a football player for the Rams. Oh, there's so many. Yep. Oh, there's so much fault. Oh, oh so dirty. Uh, <laughs> That's by the an way, amazingly filthy joke that uh, for a season that doesn't really get into the raunch until midpoint. Yeah. We'll yeah. Uh, also, yeah. Uh, cute shout out to this line or a shout out to this line being very cute. Laverne DeFazio, big D, little E, big F, little uh, Fazio. I'm sorry. Uh, big, uh, sorry. Big F, little Ozio. I love that line. I love that line. <laughs> I love it. It's so good. Uh, 
Anyway, so we then transition from this little montage of different, um, I mean, pseudo montage of different roommate applications to uh, the group of Laverne's friends sleeping in the living room, waiting for her to come home. This was where the episode turned around and started to really click for me. I, the, the funny part was good, but like yeah. this started to melt the sourness that I was feeling emotionally about the episode up to this yeah. point. To me, it's great. I, I, I like this whole episode more than you, you likely, but uh, this scene is terrific. Baby Huey in bondage. Yeah, <laughs> that was cute. And Lenny, of course, and, that's fu- and Lenny on the dresser again. Yep. But that's extra funny because Dave ends up in a Baby Huey movie. There is career. I forgot about that. You're right. I just remembered that. I just remembered that. Ah, as soon as you said it. And the world is ironic. Don't say that word. (laughs) Rhonda having some sage wisdom. She changes her name too, says Squig. (laughs) I read that in House Beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) The whole bit is really terrific. Go ahead. I was going to say though, yeah, Lenny's bedtime story for Squig. Um, the long-going bedtime story of doom is what so I called cute. it. Oh my gosh! And they've been telling it for deck for like years now, years and years and years. Ever since they moved in together, that's adorable. And it's like, how the heck are they doing that? If sometimes some nights they sleep apart because you know some of them sometimes they're having overnights with girls and stuff. Two of them the same, well, in the same yeah. place and in the same woman. <laughs> um, wow, I'm scanning. <laughs> yeah, I know, but what I'm saying is, what do you what do you mean there isn't the possibility they wake up, they sit up all night, they sit up for a few hours and tell each other that that next part of the Captain Jack story, the only pirate with a hook instead of a head, sitting in a <laughs> in a coat closet, because that's what he's possibly, bound to do. Possibly, possibly, quite possibly. And I do love the way they edit the little inserts, the timing of the the. <laughs> And the spit noise, just beautiful. And the way Leslie just slowly wads up tissue and blocks mm-hmm. her ears. Mm-hmm. So good. Into the door comes Laverne in a tie-dye t-shirt, because we're in the late 60s. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, I love how cute this is and how she's like, you guys can go. I want to be alone. It's okay. Your father made us use it before we came down here. <laughs> yeah, the father. Yeah, the, of course, yeah. Papa made them use the bathroom before they came down. The, yep. Like that's the thing is that that's where the whole like energy they give towards Laverne is very like communal, which yes. has already been missing for so much of the season so far. Yeah. Is that communal yeah. love and spirit, which yeah. had been because this needed that energy you get from like the driving test and. Uh, testing, testing, and the festival, and and stuff like that. Where, or even Frank's fling, you know, you go far back, or bowling for raspberries. Like, there's a a support for this character for it for a character that's in a crisis. The love that is shared here is beautiful. It comes from characters like Aranda and uh, Squiggy, who have been done dirty a little bit on and off by uh, writing on and off, uh, and it's really sweet. It's beautiful the way how everybody cares and everybody wanted to be there for her and uh, let her know she wasn't alone. That's adorable. It's adorable down to toes. Um, Michael's hair is obviously blonder here and longer, and it was clear this he was trying to grow it longer for Spinal Top, but he couldn't get it longer where long enough where it needed to be in time for shooting, so he, they gave him a wig. To go, so Laverne goes up. She discovers the other part of the note under the bed, which my note is contrivance for the win. No, huh. no, it isn't. Kind of, but who cares? That it works. <laughs> and then she finds a note, and it's a long note, and she reads part of it to the gang. It's very sweet. It's after, very after, of course, Lenny falls off the dresser again. Yep. Yep, again. Right on the floor again. 
rolls Poor right guy. over. Yeah, so you saying she ran off with what Roy Rogers? <laughs> no. Yes. My Walter was on a waiting list for transfer overseas. His orders came through three hours before the plane left. My note is okay, horse shit. And also yeah. in that in italics, oh my god, is he going to Vietnam or at least Okinawa? Because uh yeah. I actually knew somebody who worked um in hospitals during I, I knew somebody a long time ago that had uh had served in Vietnam and they were in Japan and I believe in the one yeah. of the bases in Okinawa and they saw the wounded come back during that yeah. war. And uh the ones they had to like pull from the field basically and patch them up as much as they could before they sent them home. And uh yeah, so I can't see Shirley be married to a guy that is going to be going into that position. This is 1967, 68. This is by the time the war had heated up enough. The stories were coming out about how bad things really were going. And, yeah. you know, folks like McNamara and the like couldn't really keep a lid on anything anymore. <laughs> so, yeah, that's another layers of horseshit. But at least, you know, we have an explanation, not a good explanation, but an explanation. Why is the line, I guess I've always waited to meet my Walter too, supposed to be a joke? <laughs> oh, it's sweet. It's very, that's it, very sweet. Unfortunately, we know nothing about Walter, so we know nothing, nothing about what kind of guy he is, yeah. how great he is, except for surely insisting he is, so. Yeah, Even I mean, because I, I like the line. It's very sweet. The fact they throw a laugh yeah. track on it is, is disturbing. Yeah. yeah, I know. That's that fear of letting boys have uh, solid emotional moments, Ugh. which is annoying. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, go ahead. I'd rather drop dead. <laughs> Rhonda, <laughs> when, the, when the boys offer to have her over. Well, you're going to miss I... a lot of fun now. And that lady drags the lounge beach chair with the uh, yep. silk sheets uh, over her. Yep, yep, yep. So cute. Uh, and uh, then the uh, smutty PS for Carmine, which is... Interesting. From a married woman. Mm -hmm. Leaving that door wide open, aren't you? Yeah, mm -hmm. very much. And and also not to mention, Shirley is now realizing, hey, uh, you know, oh, oh no. Oh no, if she becomes a divorcee, he's going to want to be all over her. <laughs> oh, we'll get there. <laughs> she has, he doesn't end up in the, uh, in the um, uh, sketch sketch that they, the sketch that they do but uh yeah oh, i can oh. imagine this you'd be so into it uh well, you, I, you already paid for my dinner why don't you pay for them now i i do also oh, love God. uh uh laverne's remark about giving him the ps to take with him and like you want to want to read that on your own and which is again implications but a laverne yeah. line but don't lose it because i want to keep it okay like okay, okay. <laughs> okay um uh, well i like it's like why can't you read that in front of her father is the question Come on, Shirley lives even though she's married with my notes on that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, by the time we get to this ending, I mean, yeah, it's redeemed itself a lot of ways. I felt yeah. it did it did land nicely on the ver at the very conclusion. It's like it's doing it, because it really is, as you've we've said multiple times already, it's doing its best with the circumstances, given that nobody really wants to be here that much. At all. So, and there's a, and there's a sweetness to the note, and that yeah. was that has a hopeful glimmer. I think that feels very surely. Exactly. I also wonder if yeah. the hope is from the cast of this show trying to say, Cindy, when you're when and if you're ready to come back, we're here waiting for you. That's what Possibly. it felt like. It might have been. It might have been. It might have been. It might have been. Or from and from, and from the writing team even. So, yeah. Yeah. Possibly. Yeah. Might especially um especially someone like Judy because Judy, you know. Yeah. I don't yeah. think as didn't yeah. have as much animosity towards Cindy, yeah. at least. Yeah. GDP always save us all, is my notes. Uh, <laughs> in this uh, episode breakdown. Yeah. I love 
this tag scene where Squiggy tries to get Laverne to give up the crib because it makes him feel like a real man and he sleeps really well in it. It's just because so squiggy and it's so sweet. Yeah, my my mom didn't like that, but she was like, that is weird. Squiggy. It's lot of me. Yeah, well, also weird in the sense that she just didn't find it funny. She she That was the point of her turning on the season already where it's like, well, I mean, she turned on it from the first episode, but it really was starting to get into the point of, oh, this, it's not really, the jokes aren't really that funny. You know, <laughs> you know, it's a, and truthfully, as much as we've pointed out the jokes we've liked, there's probably about a half dozen or more that don't land, in my opinion, for this episode. It's a, it's, you know, it's one of those, I will say so far of the four I've seen, this is clearly the best of the episode of the season so far. Yeah. It's not saying much. This is going to end up being like a little high mid for me. I really like this one a little bit more than you, but it's a, I know what's ahead. That's all I got to say. Yeah. I know what lies ahead and this is a very good episode. Gotcha. It's a context thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. This is a really gently bittersweet little episode. It proves that the show could have lasted without Shirley uh, if they kept Lenny. Yeah. But with both of them gone, it just, like, it starts. Yeah, Lenny. really, that's that's when the found, there's not enough foundation to build the show. And they never, yep. like, we're going to get into a sort of replacement character yeah. next episode. Yeah, yeah, they tried. They try, and yep. it doesn't really go too far, yeah, in my opinion. Yeah. But um, we will get more of him, by the way. We will get more Chuck. Yeah. in a few episodes. So. You're not supposed to say his name. We're not supposed to. We don't talk about him. <sighs> don't say it. Don't write it. Don't speak it. Uh, see, it, it, it's now. I'm just imagining Charles Flesher in the Babadook Part Two. <laughs> anyway, uh, so okay, oh, but anyway, um. Yeah, so right. So we're we're up to ranking time. I mean, as much as I've been yeah. critical, will I'm I think my number will still surprise you, but let's let's go ahead. Uh, yeah. What do you rank it for this one? This is a seven for me. Uh it's got a lot of emotion, it's well written, it's well handed. I remember this uh, this is better than what I remembered it to be. This mm. is a lot better than what I remember. The writing is good generally. Uh there's a couple of jokes that I don't don't fly with me, but the writing and the acting, the, generally the directing, all work for me, and this is why it goes so high. So, for me, I'm going to give this a high six and a half. Hmm. So I think on a good day, it would probably hit a seven. So far, the two times I've watched it have not been good days, so I'm going to still not be able to give it much more than that. Yeah. Um, I think what my issue is, though, is is that, you know, as I've already kind of discussed and I've already, you know, kind of I've made clear on, you know, discussing the show, discussing the podcast, I'm hitting the burnout point. And so even uh-huh. when there's a good episode, if you're so burnt out, it's hard to even enjoy the good stuff. And yeah. that's, I think, kind of where it's hitting, because this is a if this had been, say, a season seven episode, it would have probably been a six and a half. It still would have been a six and a half, maybe a seven in terms of like the way the thing, the elements land and stuff like that. But you really do. I, I felt the loss of Cindy very immediately. And yeah. it feels like part of the spark is gone that I really liked in the show. Because one of the things I really liked about reviewing these episodes was examining how Cindy's performance and the writing for the character combined to create a sometimes rather intricate character, a characterization that had depth that a sitcom typically doesn't do. And yeah. That, that that feels that being missing has really dimmed a lot of my 
joy. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things uh, where you're gonna, you're definitely gonna feel that loss more keenly in further episodes, but I won't tell you when or how. Okay. But uh, man, man, yeah. To me, I feel it less keenly. To me, I feel like this handles it very well, and it's possible that it could fly. And that it works because of the strength of the ensemble all being together. Mm. Once we start to segment that ensemble even further, that's when it starts to fall on its butt. So that's just right. me. Yeah. And I already could feel that loss after we lost Edna for last season. Yes. And yeah. that was yeah. uh, that was rough. So. Yeah. Yeah. It was. Not only is that rough, it was just an awkward, bad decision. And we're going to see that decision further get uh, segmented and discussed. Yeah. Later, I've heard I've heard murmurings. I've started to conjecture what I think is a pretty good idea of what happens, and I, oh, yeah, I, you're not prepared. Um, son of a, <sighs> okay. So, uh, time for the behind the scenes notes for today. This is a case of I thankfully thought to remember this, so I'm going to try to get through these rather quickly. Uh, Judy Pioli, as we mentioned, was the writer. Credited writer. This is her 13th of 14 episodes as credited writer. She has one more to go. Uh, she worked as executive story editor and story editor through the show from seasons two through five with a background of Belansky's Beauty, Sorotis Court, and Angie. Now, she's just about to the point of jumping into more producing and some directing with Webster, Valerie, and First Time Out ahead of her. Now, director Gabrielle Alice James. This She is one of the six directors who filled in for Tom. She'd actually been the script supervisor for most of this show since season two. This was her oh. first and only credited director outing. So remember how I mentioned there was some sloppiness here and there? This yep. is why. Yeah. So because having done Scripty, Scripty is not the best place to learn how to direct because you have to be very focused on the takes, writing note, a lot of notes, and keeping track of continuity and things like that. Script supervisor is a pretty complicated job. It's a, it's a good go-between between production and post. As mentioned, though, because of the fact of her being a script supervisor, she then stays primarily in that uh, that platform, that uh, job. Uh, she actually had first done done it on More Than Friends in 1978. Hey! So she stays across the uh, stays in the job across a single episode here or there through most of the 1980s, such as CBS Summer Playhouse, Very Brady Christmas, an episode of Pee Wee. Uh, but her big gig in the 80s came with Cheers. She was a script oh. supervisor for 251 episodes across a 10-year span. Man, that's cool. She would then scriptize them script notes for Frasier, 259 episodes, Back to You, 16 episodes, and Gary Unmarried for 34 episodes. Her last hey. gig seems to have been a scripty for Mike and Molly in 2010. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. It shows you how the industry sometimes uh, end up uh, supporting a person's ambitions. Because Absolutely. Gary always gave people a chance to direct if they wanted to direct. So, yep. So then, and I'm not to mention, this is not a fun episode to be your first out um, on the yeah. chair. I, that, yeah. I would not be surprised if she had had to direct a scene or two for pickups or dress rehearsals or something for whatever reason. But this is, this is a big one. I think even an experienced director like Rafkin or Zwick would have had trouble with this. Yeah. Anyway, so then uh, actor notes, Julie Brown is Patty. She returns in her second appearance on the show, having previously been the receptionist of Rocky Ragu. Now, she was already a popular somebody in show business at this point. She'd gotten the big break of a small role in The Incredible Shrinking Woman, and uh, she made friends with Lily Tomlin, who really believed in her. Uh -huh. She was also amazingly in the cult classic Bloody Birthday the previous yeah. year to this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Uh, she uh, plays the sister, the older sister who gets murdered. Oh, uh, nice. Things I know. Things I know. However, um, one of the fantastic and sometimes underappreciated parts of Julie Brown is that her and Penny getting to act together in this is a meeting of women titans in Hollywood. Yes. yes. As yeah. as many of you know, I'm sure Lisa here knows quite well. She would go. Uh, yeah. Julie would go on to write a ton of a uh, ton of scripts. She would yes. go on to write uh, things such as um, working on Earth Girls Are Easy. She wrote an episode yes. of Quantum Leap. Uh, she was credited for 21, 20 episodes of the one season or The Edge, which was kind of a uh, intense yes. um, sketch comedy. Yeah, it's kind of like in Living Color, but whiter. Right. Uh, <laughs> Jeffrey Aniston was in it. Yes, 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 yes. But yeah, she did that and more. She also produced a lot, uh, including working as a producer on the Clueless series, which she also, I think, did some scripting yeah. for in the late 90s. Yeah. And being a supervising producer on 100 Things to Do Before High School. Yes. So I was mentioning Ronnie Halland that we're going to get back to her. She's another marshal. Uh, she was one of more clan member hopping in and surprising. This is her first and only appearance on Laverne and Shirley. Now she was previously uncredited in an episode of the odd couple will pop up in a couple of Gary's movies, including Frankie and Johnny and exit to Eden. Uh, mostly Ronnie was in cast department and supervising producer across multiple Marshall verse productions, including as we found out through the, um, the Gary Marshall uh, uh, documentary that came out three years ago. Uh, she was one of the key reasons that Robin Williams was discovered for Mork's first happy days appearance. Aww. And she also was the That's supervising cool. producer on uh, the Laverne and Shirley together again special. Yes. Terrific. While no longer in showbiz, Ronnie's effect on the series is undeniable. So this is our only time to really talk about Ronnie Hallen. Uh, thank you for your cast of coordination. And she was, I, I don't know about you, but I, I loved her in this little part. She was just yeah, delightful. She does a great job. She has a great job. I love how she mirrors Penny's uh, voice. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, Gary and Ronnie and Penny don't exactly sound exactly the same. You know, they were raised by the same people. They have mm -hmm. the same genetic makeup, etc. So the way she handles uh, echoing uh, Penny's Laverne voice comes out beautifully. I really like it. I, really, I love her performance. She did a good job. I think so, too. All right. Last one is Catherine Fuller as the bag lady. So as mentioned, she was Ernestine and I do, I do. Uh, she was a longtime theater actor uh, for most oh. of her life and started doing parts in TV shows from the mid-70s and onwards to the late 1980s. This included Charlie's Angels, Fantasy Island, Little House on the Prairie, Remington Steel, three episodes of Happy Days, and even an episode of Starman. <gasps> oh. but, but, of course, her most consistent role was that of Mabel Cummings on Days of Our Lives from 1980 to 1986. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, she passed away in 2012 at the age of 89, but Ms. Fuller had a wonderful run, and it sounds like uh, my understanding is she had basically was an actor all of her life till the end. Oh, that's terrific. That's absolutely terrific. That's Anyway, yeah. Um, are there any other notes or any other things that you have any questions or thoughts about for the note? Nah, not on my end. All right. Well, okay. Thank you again, everybody. Uh, we will have a quick word from our sponsors, and then we'll be back with a little bit of outro and what's coming up next as we get lost in season eight. Okay. Thank you, everyone, so much once more for joining us for Night After Night, the show about eight seasons in a row. And, um, yeah, so if you would like to know more about Laverne and Shirley, Season 8, and other Laverne and Shirley Marshallverse-related topics, you can find us at Night F Night PC on Twitter, or Night After Night Pod on Facebook, WordPress, Tumblr, Patreon, YouTube, or wherever good podcasts may be found. As well, if uh, you would like to be involved more on the, the Twitter side, we really do hope to encourage you to take a look there, because uh, we do nice little bits of community watch-alongs as much as we can. We do 
little, uh, you know, we post the animated GIFs, we have little uh, bits of trivia, and we just try to stay active in this little kind of burgeoning community of Laverne and Shirley fans that's yeah. now coming around. So anyway, but next, um, yeah, next week, uh, Lisa, um, do I have to take my clothes off again for this? No, you don't. Uh, Laverne will, and she'll do it even more in the episode after this. <laughs> uh, Laverne learns a new job at the Ajax Aerospace Factory. But the monkey shines of her new colleague, Chuck, result in her being stuck in a spacesuit that sends her floating towards the sky. Will she ever come down? This is lost in spacesuits. Hmm. I sense danger. We will have to see. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. Danger. Bye, all And always remember, if your best friend leaves you a note, call collect. <laughs> Uh, I don't get it.